OpenServe is more than just SA's largest telecoms infrastructure provider. It's the answer to new ways of doing business, a connection to cutting-edge technology and infinite possibilities. A connection to tomorrow. Connect with us at openserve.coza. This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 239, for the week starting 21 October 2018. Almost Christmas. Talk, oh. Central, <laughs> Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central. You can WhatsApp the show. The number to use is 071-999-1111. On Talk Central this week, the digital TV project is moving ahead. Can we get a hell yeah? Also this week, as reported first on Tech Central, Standard Bank is launching an MVNO. Cell C is unhappy about the Rain Vodacom roaming deal. The Internet Service Providers Association wants the mobile operators to resell capacity on their networks. Huawei launches the Mate 20 Pro. Adobe mm. launches Creative Cloud 2019. Yeah. And China is planning to launch its own moon. Okay, oh. that is quite a show we have lined up here, right? <laughs> Indeed. It's Sunday. We're once again live on live at techcentral.co.za. And it's time to talk everything tech. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Let's dive straight in because it's uh, it really has been one of those weeks. I was saying just before we started recording that some weeks it's uh, I'm scratching my head. What are we going to talk about this Sunday? But today <laughs> it was a case of what are we going to leave off the list because there's so so much that happened this week. Um, yeah, it was a great week. So let's let's dive in and um, and, and talk about it. But um, let's do our quiz first. First question: Huawei this week debuted a new smartwatch, which is actually more of a tracker in a watch housing. What is it called? And Apple has set the date for the keynote for the new iPad Pro models. When is it happening? Uh, third question. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen died last week. How much is his estate worth? And related to that, what, is Paul Allen, what did uh, Paul Allen, a big pardon, die from? And the fifth question. Once analog terrestrial, te- te- terrestrial television has been switched off, Centec and broadcasters then have to move their channels out of the digital dividend bands. What is the process called? As always, we'll get the answers to the quiz at the end of the show. But let's uh, let's dive in and start to tackle some of that uh, some of that news. And um, let's start with uh, let's talk talk about digital TV. You know, so little has happened on that front for so long. It's quite exciting. I went to a press conference in Pretoria this week with the communications minister, Nomvola Mokanyane, uh, and um, there finally seems to be some traction happening. And um, finally, finally, <laughs> things seem to seem to be moving now. Man. Uh, you know, anything could happen. The minister could be reshuffled, removed from cabinet. Uh, the DTPS and DOC remerged. Uh, so there's there's every reason to, to believe that this could get knocked off the rails again. But it was, it was all quite uh, positive, I think. Uh, presentations from uh, the Premier of the Free State, from the minister, from uh, uh, Aldred Dreyer, who's the head of the project management office, you know, I think is really driving the things behind the scene. Um, but uh, things are moving ahead. Some clever, smart decisions have been taken. For one, cancelling the decision to issue these more tenders to manufacture set-top boxes, which is a process which has become fraught with uh, allegations of, of tender irregularities and corruption. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not happening anymore. The government has said that this is effectively going to be given to the private sector and that um, indigent homes households will be eligible for a voucher which will have a certain amount of value on it. They haven't said how much yet, but you'll be able to use that voucher to go to game or macro or whatever store you want to go to. Exchange that, get either get a, a very cheap or free basic set-top box um, or use that voucher as a subsidy to buy a more expensive set-top box or even an integrated digital TV set. So that's moving along. The minister has set a firm deadline and has said this time that that deadline is not open to negotiation, that the project will be completed by then. Um, and I think it's important to say that, that um, you know, because it gives everyone a timeline to work to. You, this is when we have to do this by. And she's also given deadlines for when each province is going to be switched off. So the free state will be switched off by the end of this year, Northern Cape by March next year and so on. And um, she she does seem to have gotten on top of it quite quickly, unlike her um, some of her predecessors, I think most notably Faith Mutambi. Um but I, I came away from that feeling feeling positive, even though this process is so many, many, many years late. Uh, there does seem to be a renewed urgency in government to get to get on with the project. 
Now, um, I, I had a brief chat with uh, Elder Drea um, during the press conference, or just after the press conference, and um, asked him about something called digital restacking. Now, not many people have heard of something, of th- of something called digital restacking. I don't know if you've mm. heard this term before, Rechard. No, no, I haven't. Um, but I, I think many people have just assumed that once we switch off analog broadcasts, that's it, we're done. The digital migration project is, is, is complete. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the case at all. Um, it's only half the story. So once the analog um, broadcasts are switched off, something this um, digital restacking has to happen. Now, in effect, what this is is moving the uh, television broadcasters who will have moved from analog to digital in the digital dividend bands, which is what the mobile operators need. Um, so they'll still be broadcasting in the in the uh, bands that the mobile operators are supposed to get access to post switch off of analog television. So we have to have this digital restacking uh, where the the broadcasters are moved out of the digital dividend bands and down into lower frequencies. Now, I just assumed that this would be a simple process of dialing hmm. a few knobs, but apparently it's very complicated and it's going to take up to two years to complete. Sure. So with 2020, July 2020 is the deadline for switch off. We could be looking still at mid 2022 before the operators get access to uh, to the spectrum. So four years, almost four years from now. That's a big problem. Yeah, look, I mean, and, and this is, isn't this a problem when a government it delays or when people aren't doing their job and stuff runs over, you know, yeah. this is going to be a real problem for us. You know, we've already been delayed now that, that this is actually starting to work. The actual process is taking long. Look, I guess it's good that we started, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, more wait. Yeah. Anyway, Aldred uh, Drea said to me that um, they can start. They're looking. They're going to probably going to start with the digital restacking process in the provinces that have switched off. So starting with the free mm, state, mm. Um, and hopefully they they have some learnings from that process. Um, you know, doing the digital restacking in the more rural provinces, and by the time they get to the cities, which will be the last to be switched off, Joburg will probably be the last to switch off, be switched off in mid twenty twenty. Um, hopefully they would have made so many learnings from the processes in the smaller provinces. Uh, that uh, they um, they can do it quickly, or quicker. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> quicker, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I guess within that too, uh, yeah. I mean, we're going to have to. You know, if people are going to be using data a lot more, like we're already seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably going to have more people than just uh, within that transition, um, and it's further going to push digital. You know, kind of as potentially not the main technology that it should have been. Yeah. Or that 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 high end. I still wonder if we should yeah. just give up on digital television and go straight to DTH satellite. Uh, and free well, that's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. Mm. I mean, because people, you know, these delays are inevitable, I guess, now. Um, but people aren't going to wait for something. Yeah. You know, the, the, the technology like that is already being superseded mm. by your mobile phone. Yeah. Um, I, was chatting so I, to, cost. I was chatting to um, – maybe I better not mention his name because I, I didn't, didn't specifically ask him to be quoted on the record. But I was chatting to an expert, let's, let's call him that, at the press conference uh, who has many decades of experience in the broadcasting industry. Um, and, and his view was that, or he, the, 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 his statistics, uh, his research, or his company's research, is that 60% of households in South Africa are connected to satellite already. So the digital hmm. program is only going to impact about 40% of the population. Um, so that's and that's a declining number. The other interesting, interesting thing, the yeah. other interesting thing he said was that in Germany, for example, the number of households that watch television through. DTT, terrestrial TV, is down to 5%, and that fell by 5 percentage points in just six months from 10% in uh, earlier this year. So that's heading towards zero. And Switzerland has announced that next year they will be switching off their DTT network. Hmm. So we we are technically already lagging with this technology then. Indeed. It's already old. (laughs) It's already old. Um, And and we're going to see more of this. I think in the next five years, we're going to see a lot of countries switching off digital terrestrial Mm. television Mm. um, because people just don't connect. Now, obviously, we're an emerging market. We're different. We're not Germany or Switzerland. um, And many households in South Africa don't have a cable connection or a fast internet connection or or even a satellite connection. So, um, you know, there is a... There is probably an argument that um, DTT here is not going to be switched off anytime soon, probably sure, not before sure. the end of next decade, in the next decade, around 2030 at the earliest, I'd imagine. Um, but it still raises the question, shouldn't we just be going to satellite now uh, so we don't have the pro- problem of you know, migrating everyone exactly. off digital in the future? 
Look, with any with any new technology and with any with any such moves, at some point you're going to have to make a leap, uh, because if you don't, if you keep chasing existing or the next upgrade, you know, in terms of these uh, broadcast technologies, you're always going to be lagging. But if you look mm-hmm. at something uh, again, like a simple Wi-Fi connection, I mean, I know not everybody has access to it, but eventually everyone will have access to really good. Broadband, everyone yeah. eventually, you know, yeah. with, eventually, and mm-hmm. uh, and again, if if we are prepared for that, then being on a platform where everything just gets pushed to you via data, so you either get from your local hotspot, you get access to that, or just via your own home connection. Yeah. yeah, we don't need satellite for TV anymore. We don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just because uh, it's kind of access to the most uh, popular content. Yeah, for sure. But things are moving ahead. Uh, at least that's a, a positive um, after years of of. Uh, What's the word of um, – I can't think of the word now. Um, <laughs> nothing happening. <laughs> I can't think of the exact word. Uh, limbo. Limbo, yes. It's been in limbo. It's a good word. Um, we, we do seem to be moving ahead again, even if uh, even if we're years behind schedule. Mm. But, uh, yeah, interesting stuff. We'll chat a bit later in the podcast about the Competition Commission hearings, which um, obviously related to this whole process because of the spectrum issue. Yeah. Um, but um, next on our list to talk about this week is the Standard Bank. And um, Tech Central actually broke this news back in February or March of this year when we reported that uh, Standard Bank was working on an MVNO. And they confirmed to us this week that they are, uh, in fact, going ahead with it. Uh, and it will be launching soon. No word on um, price. No confirmation on which network they're going to use, although the rumor is that they have reached or are about to reach an agreement with Cell C. Um, yeah, I mean, this will be the second big bank in South Africa to launch an MVNO offer to F&B. F&B launched theirs back in 2015, so three years ago. Uh, apparently, it's done reasonably well. Um, I believe it's got hundreds of thousands of customers. Um, I haven't seen any updated or recent figures, but I believe it's got hundred, hundreds of thousands of customers. But uh, I don't know. Why launch an MVNO? Um I was just about to ask the same. It doesn't make sense. It, it's it's a bit of a weird thing. I guess it's a marketing ploy at, uh, or it's a marketing exercise really at the end of it. I suppose. Because you're using it you're using it to grow your base of people that you can communicate communicate to. I mean I bank with uh, F and B and I have no inclination whatsoever to use F and B Connect. Mm. Um No, for sure. But I guess there's people that you know let's call them basic users, you know, your average consumer. Um, you know, I guess it makes sense for them to consolidate everything. If they can get their phone at a better mm. price at their bank, like FMB does, you know, offer or used yeah. to offer. I don't know if they still do. Um, yeah, I get your cell phone, everything. Through. I think it makes sense for some people. But again, it, it, from a, the only purpose for for this to, you know, the only purpose for this really in a in a company sense that I can see is a marketing exercise because you are it's extending reach. It's tough to talk about. I mean, it's a, it, it's, it obviously makes sense from that point of view. But if you're saying that you want to become a mobile player, I mean, it doesn't make sense, you know. Mm. So unless yeah. they come to market with something radically different to what F and B's done, I don't, I don't see it shaking up the market in any major way. What's interesting is that um, when I chatted to Peter Schleerbosch a few years ago, um, I, I presume he's still in the same role. I'm not sure. I think he was head of personal and business banking at Standard Bank. Um, he, this was about three years ago, I think, and um, I remember chatting to him in Santon and. Um, there was rumors then. Were rumors then that um, Standard Bank was going to do an MVNO, and uh, he said they'd looked at it and decided against it. Um, so mm. I, they've changed their minds, and I'd love to know strategically why they decided to change their minds on this. Look, I guess if you are comparing apples for apples, it is a competitive angle that F and B currently has, right? Yeah. yeah. And if you want to, if you just want to, I mean, whatever else you do, you're just going to have to match that and then try and offer something over it. Mm. So it's always a it's always a kind of one-up game. Mm. So the rumors they're going to do it, they're going to piggyback on Celsius. Um Steve Bailey, who's a former Virgin Mobile South Africa CEO, um, who left there and started MVNX, which is the MVNO mm. enablement company. Um, and they've launched things like Mr. Price Mobile uh, and a whole bunch of other um, Boxel, Afrikaans network. Um, <laughs> and, and, and a bunch of others. Uh, so he, he's joined Standard Bank and, uh, um, he's leading that process, as far as I understand it. Um, but it, I'd, lo- I'd love to see. I'd love to see them uh, piggyback on another operator's network. Why is it always Cell C? Yeah, that, I mean that—that's what's going to be the other thing I'm going to say. I was going to say in in terms of trying to trying to launch something like this. I mean, if you really want to be 
make a noise. Why don't you just launch a full-on mobile network, right? Yeah. They've got, you know, if you look at any of these net, of, the, of these banks, they've got ATMs deployed in so many places. They all use satellites. So they've got some sort of backwall, I guess. I, I mean, I don't well, know. It probably no. won't make, it won't, probably won't make financial sense to do so. But I, I'm saying if they want to make a big impact, that is how you do it, not MVNO. Yeah. It's a bit late for us. I think a new, a new infrastructure provider to be coming into the market. But maybe one of them, maybe one of them will invest in the WoAN when that launches. Oh yeah, maybe they're just kind of testing the waters to see what's happening, so that they can mm. uh, can do stuff like that. Yeah, but hmm. it's interesting anyway. Um, I mean, the mobile operators obviously have keen um, interest in competing with the banks in financial services, although they haven't been particularly successful. Neither MTN nor Vodacom have have really been successful in that space. M-Pesa didn't take off in South Africa, and the plug was pulled on that. But I think the banks realize that um, eventually the mobile operators are coming for their lunch. Um, so maybe they want to just understand the mobile market. Um, well, that makes a lot of sense, actually, yeah. because you're right. I mean, your cell phone number is now can be a, can be a place where you hold money. Yes. Um, you know, that's, and that is becoming so easy um, to do. From a banking point of view, though, and I completely lost my train of thought, but there's it. Um, do you think, uh, this is what I was going to say, do you think it's possible that it makes sense for a business like that to onboard or to create an MVNO so that they can largely benefit off it for their own use internally? I mean, they've got a lot of staff. I'm sure they've got a lot of um, SIM-connected devices that they use themselves. Yeah, there's, there's an element of that. They'll, their telecommunication spend will be large, mm. um, but I don't think you launch an MVNO for your own staff. Just for that? No. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. They're saying soon, so uh, my, my bet is, is uh, we'll see something before Christmas. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, but I mean, if they don't launch it before Christmas, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. My, my, <laughs> my guess will be before before Christmas. Look, to be honest, does it really matter? It's 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 interesting because we, to see what they're going to be doing, but it's yeah. another MVNO. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we're going to talk more telecommunications, but we need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back in just a moment. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity for business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Are you a search engine? Because you found me. I feel we have a strong connection. Well, you're pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. Should we drop it like a hotspot and head back to yours so we can show Max and snuggle? Let's get giga with it. Uh, but I don't have fiber. Don't get caught in 50 shades of delay. Broadband your horizons and switch to Vox's super fast, super reliable fiber network. Experience the momentum. Connect your world. Visit us at vox.co.za forward slash fiber. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rahat? How's it, Duncan? Good, thanks. Um, so, yeah, the uh, Competition Commission uh, hearings this week, I couldn't uh, attend them because there was so much else going on, but um, the commission very kindly um, brought, uh, live-streamed it. They had a few teething issues initially, but uh, eventually they got it all sorted out, and I was able to, to watch the entire three-day um, um, inquiry into <laughs> the data services market at the Competition Commission in Pretoria. I was very, very glad not to have to drive through there every day. Especially oh, since yeah. the hearing started at eight in the morning, um, <laughs> but it was um, yeah. I actually had three live streams going on my on my uh, on my desk uh, desk in the office this week. <laughs> nice. Luckily, I have three monitors. So, <laughs> and luckily for fiber, right? Because ADSL would not carry that. No, no. <laughs> um, but uh, the competition commission thing was interesting. Um, they, they had uh, the operators themselves, the CEOs of the operators. So we had Shamil Jusub from Vodacom. Uh, we had. Um, I'm going to list off the CEOs. I'm going to forget their names now. MTN South Africa <laughs> CEO Godfrey Mozza. Uh, we had um, CELC CEO Jose Dos Santos. And we had Telcom CEO Sipo Maseko. Yeah, I got them all. <laughs> sure. Um, and they all, they all gave very interesting presentations, some of them quite hard-hitting. Um, but I was particularly interested uh, on the Wednesday, the ISPA presentation, the Internet Service Providers Association, presentation by the regulatory advisor Dominic Cull. 
um, in which he made an impassioned, and it's not the first time ISPA has raised this, but I think it's probably the first time they've um, set it out in such detail. Uh, they um, made an impassioned plea to the commission to force the mobile operators to open up their networks on a wholesale basis, similar to the way that Telcom and Vumatel do in the fixed line market, where if you're an internet service provider, you can resell capacity on those networks. Um, we know OpenServe does that, and OpenServe works with a right, wide range of ISPs. Vumatel does that as well. You can choose your ISP on top of its infrastructure. And then the ISP pays the infrastructure provider for that access, and you pay the ISP. Um, so... In, in, in theory, it sounds brilliant. I mean, we, we know how competitive the ISP market is in the fixed line space. You can literally choose from 40 or more oper- uh, ISPs out there um, mm, for, mm. for your fiber or your ADSL connection. Uh, and if you're not, and happy, it's just easy to switch. It's yeah. very easy to switch. It's usually on 30 days' notice, and you hop across mm. to another ISP if your current ISP is not performing to your satisfaction. And I think a lot of comp- consumers do switch. Uh, now, what ISPO wants is they want the same thing in mobile. So um, you want you want broadband, mobile broadband. Okay, then you you can uh, you can come to any ISP, whether it's Cool Ideas or Vox Telecom or MWeb or uh, whoever. That's cool. yeah. um, and the they they want the same model in in the space, and they also want some sort of um, separation between wholesale and retail within the. Uh, within the mobile operators, as we see in, in, in telecom today. Um, and I, it's on paper, it sounds brilliant. Um, and then uh, Shamil Jusub, the CEO of Group CEO of Vodacom, presented the very next morning at 8 o'clock, and he immediately poo-pooed this idea and said, <laughs> uh, we can't do this because we don't have this capacity on our network. Um, who, 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 how am I expected to sell this capacity when I don't have this capacity? Uh, maybe he's got an argument. Hmm. Um, the network is under strain. They haven't had new spectrum in, I don't know, eight nine years, possibly ten hmm. years. Um, so if they if they if they start to sell this all this additional capacity on their network to ISPs, will the network hold up? Um, I don't know the answer to that question. But maybe they make it a condition of maybe Ecasa makes it a condition of. Um, licensing new spectrum, um, especially if they get a large volume of spectrum yeah. uh, next year, we know they're going through the auction process, um, make, makes it a condition that they open up their networks on a wholesale basis sure. to ISPs. I'm not, these things, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I, said, I, think, I think that um, the, the operators, and they, the term they use is vertically integrated. Mm-hmm. And, and they like a, Vodacom likes that model, mm-hmm. MTN likes that model. Um, and maybe it does require a regulatory um, intervention to force them to um, make their networks available on a wholesale basis. I'm not saying um, sell this capacity at, at, at below cost. Um, I don't know how the wholesale price is determined. Mm. Um, I would imagine it, it can be left to the market to determine, um, provided Vodacom doesn't set its wholesale prices above its retail prices, which would obviously be anti-competitive. Sure. But uh, to me, it sounds like a good idea. If provided they have the spectrum, um, open it, open it up. Oh yeah, definitely. But these conversations, you know, the, oh, these kind of things obviously don't happen overnight. So the conversations no. are definitely going, and there's definitely what ifs, and you know, how are we going to do this? Um, so it, I, th- I think it's inevitable, but it's it's just a question of whether they can do it now or not. That yeah. is. Um, as he's highlighted, is potentially the thing. Yeah, I suspect the operators are going to fight this tooth and nail because it is going to lead to margin erosion, um, mm. and and it will le- lead to um, c- customer losses because uh, if you can get a much better service from, and we've kind of seen this model already, right? AfriHost and MTN is that sort of arrangement. Um, yeah, it's basically yeah. replicating that model across the whole market, across all operators. But I don't think that's taken too much away from. MTN, really. I mean, I, I guess most people that are on the Afrios is an Afrios customer by some other means. I don't know very people, many people that's gone there just mm. for the mobile offering. Mm. Um, again, it's about companies just having their little ecosystems that they offer everything to. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and that's what everybody in, in each of the industries is trying to do. Yeah. And I think it, I think it can work. It's not the best way of doing it, I think, but it can work. But yeah. in Afrios' case, if you look at how well it's been doing, I mean, it's still one of the best ways to manage your data on mm-hmm. a mobile device. Yeah, I don't know of many of the other guys who have the same kind of functionality. Yeah, yeah. And so that I'd, will drive innovation. It will. You know, it will it definitely. Will. Yeah. And um, and the, the competition commission has the power to intervene. Um, it's not 
that toothless, unlike ICASA, which uh, spends its life in court. Um, <laughs> I think if the Competition Commission decides to do something, it's going to do it, and um, it will enforce it. And um, it did it with Telcom. It basically forced OpenServe. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So whenever we... I mean, we, we need so much innovation in this space. We need competition. You know, we can't be holding back at all. So everybody's going to fight what's mm. in their own interest. Let's yeah. just uh, hope, again, for the consumer, it prevails the right way. Yeah, yeah. I actually think the Competition Commission stepping in and enforcing wholesale um, access to the operators' networks uh, will probably be hugely more impactful than this planned wholesale open access network that the government wants to build. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The other, the other interesting thing that came out of the um, out of the hearings this week was a presentation by um, Robert Paisley, who was presenting with Jose dos Santos, the CEO of Celsi. Robert Paisley is their chief strategy officer and also acting chief financial officer, and he had a real go at Vodacom and Rain over their roaming agreement. Uh, he said he blasted Icasa and said that um, uh, the regulator had failed uh, in its duty, in its regulatory duty. Uh, by allowing the roaming agreement with Rain, and basically, it's a, he said that it has given Vodacom a huge unfair advantage in the market. Um, basically, Vodacom has Rain Spectrum now, uh, which mm. they were trying to do through the um, the Neotel deal. Um, he calculated uh, Celsius calculations. I wasn't quite clear, very clear how they how they came to these numbers, but he said it gave, gives by twenty twenty it gives Vodacom a 11.5 billion rand uh, benefit in terms of cost savings sure. and other benefits. Um, and yeah, he, they were, they were, they were very unhappy. And they also said, Oh, that what was interesting is, you know, that, um, CLC has recently signed the roaming, a 4G roaming agreement with MTN and they're planning to terminate their roaming agreement with cell C when it expires, I think in 2020. Um, hmm. he said that they also, um, approached rain for a roaming agreement and got nowhere in terms of negotiation. They couldn't even get a reference pricing, guide in terms of what it was going to cost them and the insinuation there was that um that that uh, they were basically told to go away or not not in so many words but they they weren't welcomed to uh, have, have a discussion and um i think the insinuation there was that um vodacom has some sort of exclusive arrangement with uh with um with rain even if it's not written mm. down in, in the contract um, well i'm sure it's some I'm sure it's 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 people that know each other that came to this deal yeah. too, you know, or company. Yeah. It's not, yeah. um, and obviously for Vodacom they would they would do this. I mean, it yeah. makes so much business sense. Yeah. Um, it's it's being it's being uh, what's what I'm looking for. I guess it's being competitive in an industry, and mm -hmm. for some people they're not going to like it, you know. For others, you know, it might help a little bit, and then for Vodacom it'll be a good de a good de a good deal. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I spoke to Willem Roos, who's the CEO of Rain. Um, and, and asked him for his reaction to Celsius' comments at the Competition Commission hearings, and he declined to uh, comment on, specifically on the on the uh, on the on the uh, Celsius discussions, but did say that Rain is open to um, roaming deals with any operator. Come and talk to us. Um, hmm. So maybe they just had their wrong account manager. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but that, but that Vodacom deal with with Rain is interesting. I, I do wonder if there's some mutual backslapping going on, and yeah, I'll look after us, and we'll look after you, sort of stuff. But isn't that how most major deals go? Because if you're going to be investing in something, you want to know that you're going to get get the best side of it from yeah. both sides, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, they've got to be careful, these guys, because uh, the, the regulations in this field are, are pretty tough. Um, we saw how um, Vodacom couldn't get Neotel, and that was because of the regulatory environment. And um, they, they need to, they need to, they obviously need to tread cautiously, and they and they know this as well. But I, I do wonder if there's some unwritten rules um, surrounding this Rain Vodacom agreement. <laughs> Certainly, Celsi was hinting that there are. Maybe there's some texts on a WhatsApp group. We never mm, know. Yeah, for sure. Right. Let's uh, let's talk about some new product news and. Um, it's oh yeah, Huawei Mate Twenty. Your next Pro. phone. <laughs> <laughs> I strongly suspect this is my next phone. Yes, uh, the South African launch is happening uh, on Tuesday this week. Um, I'm going to be popping through to that. Um, yeah, looking forward to. It. Did you watch the keynote? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I've been. Swamped. It was actually a very impressive keynote. Um, the chap from Huawei. I'm not sure what his name was. His English was very poor, um, which I, you know, I really think they um, need to use an executive who. Yeah, he wasn't bad. Yeah. He wasn't bad, but um, 
you know his 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 presentation style because of the language differences. Mm. You know, it 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 wasn't great, but the product announcements were fantastic, and um, and that Mate Twenty Pro is simply amazing looking phone. Um, I, I'm almost certainly going to get one. Yeah, but they're not cheap, eh? Yeah, look, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, Apple cheap or Samsung cheap? I mean, we have to define those. It's sort of in the it's, it's sort of in the high end Samsung pricing category, or not in no, the Apple category, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, I mean, again, it's an Android device, so the money you're spending, I guess, you, you know, again, you know, if you want a high end device, you are going to be spending a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least with something like Android, you do have an open platform. Yeah, yeah. But the camera setup looks absolutely incredible, especially the the wide angle photography. Um, yeah. Also, the, the the macro photography that they announced um, uh, that was very impressive. You can get I think it was two and a half centimeters away from your subject while it stays in focus. Yes, yeah, that's amazing. That's and it makes sense. I mean, with four cameras, you know, you have a dedicated camera for each of your settings or each of your features. Yeah, yeah. Um, or the type of shots you want to take. You know, each one is the best of its own kind of little sensor and. Um, yeah, I'm surprised nobody else has done it in this array before. It looks quite cool in the back with a yeah, little cluster you know, of four cameras. Oh, it's three cameras plus a LED flash. Oh, the sensor, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's got, I think, one camera in the front. It could be two. I forget. But um, the hardware inside there, I'm really looking forward to testing it out. It's a Kyron 980 chipset, which looks amazing. Um, yeah, that's going to be a beast. Dual MPU or neural processing cores. Um, uh, yeah, no, it looks like a beast. I'm not sure what more there is to say about it. It's it's got every spec. Everything's been thrown in there. It's got um, face unlock. It's got uh, mm. oh, it's got an under the screen fingerprint sensor, which I'm really looking forward to playing. Yes, with. that is going to be absolutely incredible to see in in the flesh. In screen, it's the first. Um, I think it's the first major manufacturer to do that. I think some of the smaller well, uh, Chinese manufacturers have launched, possibly Vivo. Uh, I think Vivo may have done one, mm. uh, but um, it's, it's certainly in terms of a major um, global handset launch, it's the first time. And hopefully the technology is perfect in the first gen, since I'm probably going to be getting one of these. <laughs> <laughs> but look, even if it's perfect, it still is, right? It still is just an amazing feature set, um, you know, of any phones. If you look at Huawei, though, what they've been doing, you know, they they really are, you know, it's it's only been the last year that I've looked at this brand as like a, 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 a something that I would look at buying in terms mm. of a, a smartphone. I mean, they've had some decent devices before, but again, they just, uh, it, I just didn't look at the brand as, as you know, a serious brand in my kind oh, of it's improved, portfolio uh, of things. It's yeah. improved by leaps and bounds. Uh, this, this year was the first time I actually considered getting a Huawei when the P20 Pro was launched. Um, my wife actually ended up getting one of those, and um, mm. it's, I've played a little bit with it. It's a fantastic phone. It's the first time I, I think they're they're now in a in a league with Samsung and Apple in terms yeah, of quality, yeah. and that wasn't the case before. Um, it'll also be interesting in terms of the software too, just to make, to see how they keep it up to date. Does the latest uh, Android versions come to these mm. devices? Because that's for me is one of the other things I consider when I buy a high end Android or they when I'm are promising looking. that. Yeah, they are promising that. It's got this MUI um, UI that sits on top of it. Uh, mm. Uh, last time I did speak to a Huawei executives, they said they have promised that they're going to keep these phones up to date and do so quite quickly. Uh, but the proof is always in the pudding. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I'm happy if a, if a manuf- or ha- a, um, Android manufacturer provides two years of updates. I, I don't think they generally provide much beyond that. No, for sure. Um, but then and, uh, Google Android should come to the party and make those releases available for generic downloads for those of us who want to hack. Because a platform should be able to do it, right? You yes. should be able to load it on most devices. Mm. But the, if you look at the roadmap for upgrade path for Android phones, because you know, I'm happy with my phone that I've got here, it's a OnePlus 5. Um, it's a great device, but at some point I'm going to need to upgrade it, and it's probably going to be next year sometime. Because yeah. um, you want, you know, I, I just need a few more things, maybe a, a newer camera or something, yeah. um, and also you just want to you just want to have a little bit of uh, something newer tech. Now the the question is, which one do you go for? And uh, like I was saying earlier, for the first time, Huawei is a very good contender. It is. I don't, um, I'm still I'm I'm still liking the Nokia's, but they but they dated now. You know those um, there's nothing new coming from them yet that uh, makes me go wow. Well, they're doing incremental updates, so they've announced the Nokia seven point one, which looks quite nice. Um, it's actually a very nice phone, that Nokia 7.1. But it's not as, it's not as uh, I guess, iconic as something like this. Yeah. It's, it's what I'm getting at. But it's know, also it's, not it's, nearly as expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true that, true that. But I think Nokia, yeah, Nokia hasn't got a, a, a proper premium flagship. I mean, there's the Nokia 8 mm. Sirocco. 
but that's not a that's not a, a premium top end handset. It's nice. Um, it's it's the most expensive and best phone they do, but it's still not in the same league as a Galaxy S9 or a Note 9 or a Huawei Mate 20 P20. Uh, sorry, a Mate 20 Pro. Sure, sure. Um, I'll, yeah, look, uh, I, I want to get some hands-on time with this one. I might join you on that. Maybe we see if we can get a two-for-one deal. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's on Tuesday, <laughs> Tuesday evening. I'll send, you, I'll send you the details. Cool. I will send you the details. And, of course, the other big uh, news product announcement this week, uh, which um, both Rechot and I are very excited about, uh, is the launch of Adobe Creative Cloud 2019. Yeah, what a yeah, what a exciting! It was quite exciting. I'm I'm a bit of a geek for the software, so I really, really look. I looked forward to the to those special upgrades that they've uh, yeah. launched with. So, what are your thoughts so far? I really liked it. I haven't uh, played with everything yet. I haven't touched Premier Premier Rush yet. I haven't played with those. Um, in terms of Adobe and Illustrator, there's a few. There's a lot of little things that I've noticed that's making workflow a lot easier. Uh-huh. You, you know, the biggest thing for me is to be able to undo changes in Photoshop. Now, with a lot of the tools in Photoshop, you could never undo changes or, or undo certain movements and certain things up beyond like two or three um, reverts. Now you can go back straight to the beginning of the document, you know, with what you've edited. And just with Control Z, without hitting that weird combination of two yeah, steps exactly, backward. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the way that it handles um, fonts within Photoshop now, I, I also like it's it's handling a little bit differently. But then, obviously, more importantly, is the way that fonts in general with Typekit is now. You can get as many fonts downloaded as you need to. Yeah. yeah. I often struggled with that hundred limit. I do a lot of different designs, and it's difficult to then have to choose which fonts to uninstall just for this hundred limit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, font font kit is something I also enjoy yeah. using. But let's not forget Adobe Sensei, which is what this entire platform is built on. I think that's where the, the most interesting stuff is, the AI framework, um, you know, that the tools are, that the software is now using um, to provide you with help and tips and tricks mm-hmm. and, and also mm-hmm. to help you, um, you know, just be clever with stuff like uh, 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 what's that content to wear for. Yeah, I noticed that there was a lot more um, assistance in particularly Photoshop, uh, but I'm sure it's in all the apps. I just mm. haven't played in the other ones Yeah, all of, them, all of them have it, yeah. But it's, it helps you, it guides you, it, um, it'll play your video, it'll, um, which is very useful because Photoshop is a hellishly complicated product to learn. Yeah. Yeah, and I, look, I think they've also known that their user base and I, most Adobe users that I know work like this. You, you don't know everything about the software, right? You kind mm-hmm. of learn the stuff that you need to work with, and then once in a while, you kind of when you need to learn something, you go out to YouTube and you find it. Now, what they've done obviously is bring that. They've always had a good, strong library of of tutorial content, yeah. But it's always been hidden. It's been weird to kind of access that. Yes. Now it's sitting with its context aware. So if you want to do something on a tool, there's videos right there to show you how to use it. Yeah. Um, and that, and the, the quality of the Adobe tutorials has always been good. So, mm. you know, having this right there is, is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And we'll be talking a little bit more about this uh, when I get around to my pick a bit later in the show. Oh, yeah. But I think that covers our, um, our news this week. Uh, uh, let's move on to our regular features. I haven't missed anything, have I, Rechot? <laughs> no, no, no. There was so much to talk about. No, I think we've covered it. Uh, um, our regular features, our winner this week is is Huawei, uh, the rise and rise of Huawei. They really are doing so well, um, expanding around the globe, um, and not just in smartphones and consumer electronics. They, they're bu- building the network infrastructure. Um, if, you, if you're talking on your cell phone um, here in South Africa, the chances are very good that uh, the call is being carried over Huawei infrastructure. Um, yeah, yeah. They provide a lot of switches. They provide, and they're expanding and they're growing. It's an, an amazing company to watch. Uh, they really are um, the technology leader of China, and um, I think they. I get the impression they're still in their infancy, which is scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but look, I mean, with technology, you know, you don't have to be. You don't have to be have been around for hundred years. Yeah. You just need to have the right expertise. My expectation is that they're going to overtake Samsung as the world's biggest smartphone manufacturer at some point in the next year. Oh, yes. I would I would put mm. money on that bit. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And un- unless you have, uh, Rechard, something to pick as our loser of the week, we don't have one this week. No, no, I don't. You don't want to pick on – you don't feel like picking on, picking on anyone. No, I'm not a picking on people kind of a guy. <laughs> okay. But I have I've have had to delete some tweets that I've wanted to post recently of just – 
bad experience with the company. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you just want to say something, I don't want to. Okay. So I don't do it on impulse. Just have a few beers first and then you'll send it. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, once you had a few beers is when you should be closing your Twitter. Um, (laughs) Elon Musk. (laughs) Yes, Elon. (laughs) After having a few spliffs. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, What's your pick this week? So I've been playing with uh, a new phone, and when I say the brand to you, you're almost going to fall off your chair. But I've been playing with a BlackBerry. I know what you're going to. It's hard to say BlackBerry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've you've heard it. Okay, so this is the uh, yeah the new phone. Um, it's interesting. I mean, obviously it's a- running Android now, um, but obviously uh, the, the thing that stands out to most is that it's got a, a keyboard at the bottom. So it feels it feels like a throwback to you know the old Nokia phones that those keyboards. Obviously, any old BlackBerry. Yeah. But um, so it's weird to use a modern smartphone with an old keyboard. It's it's been a bit of a, a interesting using um, time for me in the last week. But it's not been a bad one, which has been quite weird for me. I, I wanna I wanna not like this phone. But it's actually quite, quite nice. The keyboard has, you know, for the last week when I've been using it, I would actually go sit outside to type some mails that I normally do just sitting in front of my PC because I hate yeah. typing on my screen. Yes. I, I don't know why. Just recently, it's just become the worst experience. And I hate typing um, on a touch screen keyboard. But with this, it's obviously a much different experience, right? Because you've got a physical keyboard and the key responsiveness and the keystrokes are really nice. You know, they've got a nice little click and a pop um, so getting around typing um, is easy. So if you want to do any any major email composition or tweeting or – because tweeting is now 240 characters. If you want to do it properly, you can, you can do so quite easily now. But um, then having the touchscreen capability above that. Now, obviously, the screen is a little bit smaller than your average um, – your, your average smartphone screen because of it. You know, if you put your the BlackBerry Key 2 next to any other normal um, smartphone uh, or, or large screen phone at least, um, it kind of looks and feels like any other phone, but the screen is a little bit uh, smaller um, smaller than that. It's a 4.5-inch screen, so normally it's, uh, if you compare it to a 6-inch screen, you know, it's kind of the same size device. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, uh, again, there's a trade-off. I've, I've actually given this to a few people to just kind of feel, put in their hands what they think. Um, and a lot of people commented on the backing. The backing's got this uh, rubberized, um, textured feel, which is fantastic. The phone doesn't feel like it's going to slip out of your hand. Most other sulfur, uh, smartphones definitely mm-hmm. feel like, mm-hmm. you know, my, my OnePlus slips out of my hand all the time. Um, there's a, there's a, a fingerprint reader in the, in the spacebar button, which is also quite a nice addition, which I kind of liked. So in terms of usability from the keyboard, you know, unless you want a, large screen device for any particular reason. This thing still offers, you know, touch screen mm. device, mm. Uh, touch screen capability. It's a nice high resolution screen. Um, it's 434 PPI, 1080 by 1620 pixels uh, for those of you that follow specs. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just an Android smartphone, right? Running Oreo with a keyboard. With a keyboard yeah. Um, it's not, it doesn't, it didn't make me feel like I was using a Blackberry at any point. I mean, there's some Blackberry features built in and obviously some software that you can utilize if you want to have some Blackberry specific functionality and the security stuff is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but for anything else, you know, I've uh, been using it as my normal smartphone and I like it. I've, I've, I've been enjoying typing on my, my smartphone a lot more because of this. And that's and that's made me reflect on why I hate typing on a screen so much. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of especially if you're doing. I'm not talking about short bursts. I'm talking about writing an email with at least two paragraphs. Yeah. And that's what a lot of people do these days. It's amazing. Um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when BlackBerry was so dominant in South Africa. Now it's gone. Yeah, they've fall, fallen from grace, and now they kind of they're yeah. just still around. It's TCL um, now, right? Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. But I mean, in terms of bold quality, this thing is. Perfect, you know. It's, oh, it's, I mean, not perfect, but it's, it's beautiful compared to yeah. anything else that I've got in my hand. It's a nice matte black finish. Yeah. Um, it feels nice. The buttons, there isn't, you know, it, there's no weird response things on the buttons mm. that make them feel cheap, you know. So it's a, it's a quality device. Were you, ever, sure, were you ever a BlackBerry user back in the day? No, never. I've you know, I used them for testing purposes, but I never liked them. I, neither so, did I. Never liked them. It neither didn't did make I. sense to me. The, soft, the software was the thing that always bugged me. Yes, agreed. And um, um, people were right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Android was always the one. So, I mean, it's the best of both worlds. Um, so, obviously, this will be largely dependent on price too. I mean, it's a, it's a nice phone, but uh, so a twelve triple nine. So for thirteen grand, it kind of yeah. puts it. You know, it's a mid range phone. Mid yeah. 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 No, is BBM still around, by the way? 
No, <laughs> I don't think oh. so. I don't think so. So the phone no, doesn't come with BBM on it. I don't. I haven't seen BBM on yet. There's a, you know, there's a security stuff, but I haven't seen uh, mm-hmm. BlackBerry Messenger. Let me actually just quickly. I haven't even tried to look for it. Yeah, it's probably um, there. Hey? It's probably there. It'll be interesting. Let's see. No one uses oh, that, BBM anymore. They tried to resuscitate uh, it. Um, they tried to resuscitate. Oh, it is yeah. You're right. It wow. is still there. Yeah. 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 I think it's BBM. all going. Voice and video calling. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice. Okay. Well, I would not install that right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, I was pleasantly surprised. The camera, uh, the, in terms of the camera, it's, it's obviously not like high end. You're not going to use this as, uh, it's not going to be as good as um, some of the other high end phones out there. But it's pretty decent at 12 megapixels. Um, it can shoot video. Highest resolution is not pure 4K, but it's 2160. So, it's better than HD. Um, and the selfie camera is an 8 megapixel shooter. So, I mean, you're not mm. going to buy this. For, it, it's going to work fine if you... Yeah, I mean, I can see a nice use for the social media managers, for example, people that go to things and tweet. And, you know, the, the camera will be fine for that because you'll still be able to run all your your favorite software and your editing stuff. Yeah. Um, and the resolution doesn't matter so much on those. Yeah. It's, it's the keyboard. I would, I would, yeah, if you if you think that a keyboard is something you'd like to have in your phone, I would... I was pleasantly surprised by this. Uh, I'm still surprised every time I use it. Um, I would look forward to using it a bit more. I don't think I will use it as a permanent phone, um, but I wouldn't mind using it for a bit longer, if that makes sense. Old school, Rechard, old school. Old school, yeah, exactly. <laughs> rocking, Just tactile. Rocking it old school. <laughs> tactile feedback. But it's incredible to, I mean, to think that you, you know, you're kind of looking at the touch screen. So you can use your phone without ever touching the keyboard. And only as soon as you want to type, you can quickly yeah. do it. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty nice experience. And the keyboard doesn't s- slide away. It's uh, there no, all the time. No, it's on, on the mm. screen at the bottom. Yeah. So it almost looks like a 4.5-inch phone with a keyboard slapped at the bottom. Mm. But it, the, the, the design is nice. It's, uh, yeah. They did one as well. Um, I think one of their first Android phones, if not their first one, was a was a slider version. I really liked that. So it was a full yeah. touch screen, and you slid yeah. it up. Yeah, that was a nice device. But obviously, what, with uh, with manufacturers that don't like to go with anything bulky these days, I don't think we we'll see that type of tech. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe it didn't sell well enough. Yeah, look, I mean, maybe if this thing was a bit cheaper, I would have said yes. But still, at, at thirteen grand, I'm going to compare it to everything else out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then video and photographs is more of a priority for me than a keyboard is, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So my pick this week is a new app in the Adobe Creative Cloud called Adobe Premiere Rush. Uh, and I was fiddling with it a bit this morning, actually. Um, I haven't used it extensively yet, but it basically takes Premiere Pro and makes it easy to use, um, which is… Nice. Uh, Premiere, as you know, is… is, is um, well, I struggle with yes. it a bit. It's, I it's, use it all the time, and I struggle with it all the time, but <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, so, so Premiere Rush is really designed um, – it's a clever name. It's basically suggests that for, it's Premiere for mm. people in a rush. Uh, what it does is it's, it's for, the, um, for, you, for people who shoot with their phones and stuff. You can take video from any source. Um, but if you want to stitch together a quick, a, a quick video for, for Facebook or YouTube, mm. um, it just allows you to slap the elements together, create some nice titles, uh, fade effects, and all that sort of thing, sh- shift video elements around – very simply, very easily, and once you've done that, to hit a button and publish it, inst- publish it instantly to uh, social media, including to YouTube. Um, it's it's really fast. There's no, it, it's it's um, it hasn't got all the bells and whistles of Premiere Pro, mm. um, but at the same time, I think a lot of consumers just like to get stuff done quickly. It's a bit like it's a bit like yeah. Lightroom for video in a way. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, Lightroom is a way to quickly touch up your photographs. Premiere Rush is a way to quickly slap together a video and put it online. Um, and I like it. I really like the idea. Um, and um, whereas uh, Premiere Pro has intimidated me, Premiere Rush isn't. So uh, I think I'll be doing more video editing. And let's be honest with you. I mean, I, I'm, I haven't played with it yet, um, but I will, from what I've seen, I will definitely be using it for some of my shots, uh, for some of my videos at least. Because there's a lot of complexity that comes with certain editing things that you want to do with uh, Premiere. And obviously, you want to keep doing those things. But for most stuff, anything you put on social media, this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and like stuff like slapping on a title, you know, it takes you a few steps in Premiere Pro if you want to it, get it right. You know, yes. with this, you know, this, those titles you just slap on the screen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to make a lot of people much better video editors, uh, video creators at least. And, yeah. and I th- they're definitely appealing to the YouTube generation, guys that's yeah. creating for YouTube and that, you know, uh, Instagram stories. So, you know, that I'm ability to, to publish that. direct to YouTube is fantastic. Mm mm. So Especially, you know, I've seen so many. If you look on Instagram, there's, I mean, there's a lot of young creators out there that use their phone primarily for everything. Mm-hmm. So they do shoot and then use 
whatever tools they have to edit and then upload. So Adobe is definitely out to get the young market with us and then yeah. get them to upgrade to the other stuff if they if they go to those levels of editing. Mm. I'd love to see this included in the um, the photography tools of um, of uh, that they sell um, as a separate subscription package. I think it currently contains Photoshop and Lightroom, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Um, I'd love to see this bundled as part of that package because it would fit nicely in there. Yeah, um, but I, I would imagine it's going to take – a lot from away a lot from their premier users then because there's a lot of guys that get adobe just for premiere or, or also get premiere so that they can do some basic editing yeah not even advanced stuff um but you like but your guys yeah. are using it to do television production and stuff i mean they're not going to switch to this it'll be no, no 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 of course not yeah. but even those guys when the social media department has to go do something quickly yeah if you're gonna you're not gonna wait two days for your clips to get edited by the professional guys if you on a social media platform that's a bit more edgy can just push it out yourself yeah yeah but if you subscribe to the entire suite like uh, Rachel and I do uh, it's included but uh, it ain't cheap unfortunately and it's an annual no, look I mean we also use it for work right? we do I mean, it's, exactly it's very much a work tool and it's definitely one of the best work tools I've, I've been using in the last few years yeah yeah but uh, it works out to about eight and a half grand a year um, still cheaper than uh, a copy of Photoshop was back in the day yeah, if you bought the whole thing just straight off the shelf, um, or the whole thing back in the day, I think it was about forty or 50,000 rand. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's not, we didn't even mention this with the Adobe chat earlier, but uh, what they've done is with Adobe CC 2019, they've rebuilt the entire thing. So there's no legacy parts on that. So when you actually right. install it, it, it will uninstall everything, any of the old – I mean, you obviously have a choice to run them both side by side. But yes. the Creative Cloud 2019 is built on a completely new platform, code-based platform. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, okay. That's obviously for the, the Sensei stuff too because it's so deeply integrated into right. into everything. Right. And you don't pay extra for that, right? You just keep paying your subscription and they just do all the work. They do all the work, yeah. That's it, the beautiful thing about uh, Creative Cloud or a subscription-based service. I noticed when I uh, updated mine, it deleted all of the apps, all of the old apps except for Photoshop, which I had to manually re- uninstall. Was it Photoshop CS? No, it was Photoshop, Photoshop Cloud. Photoshop uh, 2018. The old one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The only ones I don't uninstall manually is the CS stuff because that's obviously a previous, you know, like a previous licensing generation, yeah. I think. I don't know why I kept it on my oh, that's computer. That's interesting. I don't know why I kept it on the yeah, other one. That's interesting. Um, but everything else it got hmm. rid of. Uh, last year it kept yeah. last last year's update. It actually kept all the old editions, all the old versions on my computer. I had to manually uninstall all of them. Um, I vaguely remember something hmm. like that. There was a bit of an issue. Like, yeah, it was just a hassle. Yeah. But this year it was just Photoshop. And I don't think I did it on my laptop. I think it was only on my desktop that it uh, didn't, didn't uninstall Photoshop. Hmm. Is, so maybe something went wrong during the installation process. Yeah, probably. And um, that record, I think, is our show for this week. Um, apart from our quiz results, uh, let me do the first question. Huawei this week debuted a new smart watch, which we did not talk about in the show this week. Um, hmm. And it's more of a, a tracker, a fitness tracker than I can see in a watch housing. Hmm. Um, what is it called? And that's the Watch GT. A second question. Apple has set the date for the keynote for the new iPad Pro models. When is it happening? And the answer is 30 October. Ooh, can't wait for that. Cannot wait for that. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah, new MacBooks as well coming. Um, mm. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen died last week. Um, how much is his estate worth? Um, and that's 26 billion US dollars. Wow, that's quite a hefty chunk of change. Um, what did what ha- is Paul Allen? What did Paul? What has Paul Allen died from? And the answer is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a form of cancer. And the last question this week: uh, Once analog terrestrial television has been switched off, Centec and broadcasters have to move their channels out of the digital dividend bands. What is this process called? And it is digital restacking. Yeah, I'm sure the algorithms are going to be working overtime there. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I won't be here next week, Rehat. I'm uh, going to be traveling next weekend. So we'll only be back with the show uh, in two weeks' time. Hope you don't miss us too much. Um, But we are playing out with some very good music today. Um, Hope you enjoy it. Um, Rechard and I, by the way, are going to be doing um, a joint version of the Rock Central podcast uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks, uh, where we'll be focusing oh, yeah. on South African rock. 
if you enjoy your rock music, um, please do subscribe to us. We are available in Spotify now. Um, just search Rock Central, one word in Spotify, or any of our Tech Central podcasts, in fact. Um, Tech Central, Talk Central, the podcast you're listening to right now, Cars and Gadgets, and The Best in Tech, which is hosted by Rechart. Uh Those are all available in Spotify. If you just search Tech Central, all five podcasts will come up. And I'm pleased to say that um, Rock Central is also available in high-definition audio, high-quality audio in Spotify. So uh, go check them out. And uh, speaking of rock music, um, we are going to be playing out with some, uh, I suspect, quite loud rock music now. Um, <laughs> it's not too loud. It's, actually, it not? Pretty, it's okay. actually pretty chilled. Yeah, no, okay. no, it's good. It's okay. Good. Uh, I, 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 love, I, I love it loud. So I love it loud. So that's fine. Oh, no, no. This mm. thing can definitely be played very loud. Okay. Um, the song is Into the Wild by uh, – sorry, not Into the Wild. <laughs> it's a song. It's from the movie Into the Wild, which I would highly recommend yeah. anybody to watch if they haven't seen it, uh, based on a, a true story of a, a guy by the name of Christopher McCandles, McCandles, who was just a traveler and yeah. it was just about his life and his yearning for getting away from things and modern life, I, th- I guess. And the song was Eddie Vedder. There's a few good document, or there's actually a few good uh, interviews with Eddie Vedder and Sean Penn, the director of the movie, um, around the soundtrack if you want to look for it online. But um, yeah, so Eddie Vedder wrote the soundtrack and this is one of the songs uh, from that. All right. Well, we'll see you guys again in two weeks uh, from Rechard and myself. Until next week, take care and cheers. Ciao, ciao. And I'm playing the wrong song. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll be edited in then. <laughs> <laughs> it started playing Queen for some reason. Uh, let's try that again. From above, where I climbed down to be set free, she took me in again. There's a big, a big hot sun beating on the big people in the big hard world. When she comes to greet me, she is mercy at my feet. In her charm, she just throws it back at me. Once I dug in her grave to find a better land, she just smiled and laughed at me and took her blues back again. Yeah.